Have you ever wanted to share your story, a message, or a lesson with the world? You see, stories connect, empower, and cultivate connection. So if you have a story to tell, this episode is just for you. You are listening to Episode 7 of the Tried and True with Caroline podcast. On today's show, I am talking with Bridget Holder from the Art of Grace Publishing House. She is a seven-time international best-selling Amazon publisher, as well as a USA Today best-selling author. In our conversation, she offers lots of wisdom and insights about the publishing process, as well as what it's been like starting her own publishing company. So enjoy the episode. This is Tried and True, a place to chat about how aligning your daily wellness routine, mindset, and self-care contribute to building meaningful businesses and relationships while curating an empowered and fulfilling life. Being an entrepreneur isn't easy, and learning to balance all of the things is another story, but it's worth it. Through these podcasts, my goal is to bring creative conversations to the table that empower, enlighten, and elevate your workspace or wherever you're listening. So if you're looking for a place that's going to support that big dream of yours, replace your doubt with, you gotta do this thing, know that progress is better than perfection and momentum is magic. You're in the right place. And you know, that thing you keep looking for that you believe is going to change everything? I've got news for you. If you're still looking for it, I have your answer. Go and look in the mirror. You are the answer. I believe that the messages we hear are never a coincidence. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears. If this sounds like your sort of conversation, I've got a seat reserved just for you. Learn from the past, be wildly curious in the now, and blaze a new trail to the future. Your time is now, my friend. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Caroline, and let's get this show started. How are you, Miss Bridget? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me, Caroline. And where are you in Australia? I never got this. Where are you in Australia? So I'm in a country town called Cootamundra. It's in New South Wales. It's about halfway between Sydney and Melbourne, but we're inland. We're not along the coastline. Okay. It's funny, all the times that we've had our discussions and I've never asked you which part of Australia you're in. I'm meeting so many different people from Australia. My person that I learned human design from is from Australia. All of the cool people are in Australia. Have you read? Do you know that? Yeah, I'm one of them. You're one of them. I know. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I'm finding that all of the really cool people are in Australia. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I, I agree too. Another question I have never asked you is, how did you come to the publishing world? So I contributed to a book in 2019. And after doing that multi-author book, I was contacted by over 130 people saying, thank you for sharing your story. Wow. And I didn't know most of them, like 90% of them, I didn't know. And 
I thought, holy, the power of my story to reach that many people and have an impact on their lives. I probably took a few months to digest all of that. And then I was like, okay, so how do I do this? How can I make people's stories go further? I couldn't be a publisher. No, that wouldn't happen. And uh, I started to ask the my publisher questions about publishing and how did she get into it and how does it happen and what do you do and how good is Amazon or what other platforms would you use and Mm -hmm. lots of questions. So I asked her so many questions, she decided to run a course and she now teaches women how to start their own publishing houses. And the whole reason that we do all of this is because I wanted to create, oh, I'm sorry about my dogs. It's okay. I wanted to create a platform that allowed women the opportunity to share their stories so that they could grant permission to others to change their current reality. That's how I got into it. Wow. And how long, so how long ago did you, did you participate in the multi-author book? I think it was October, 2019. I think it got published October, 2019. Wow. So it did not take you very long to self, to, to be part of the multi-author book and then go into your publishing company. I did a second one with my publisher. I did a second one with her and really watched as the process went through and, um, you know, like asked millions of questions. And then she said, I'm going to run this course. And I said, I'm in, I was the first person to sign up and I only finished working with her every month last month uh, sorry in October and because today's the first isn't it so in October of 2021 so for two solid years I've been working with her and building my publishing house and learning everything that she knew and yeah and it's been an an amazing experience for me and I've published three multi-author and three solo books I did have the goal to do eight this calendar year I'm going to fall short by one but that's okay that one could have been my book, but I didn't want to rush that. So uh, it's going to come out probably in February next year. So it's something that sharing stories, you know, it helps both the writer and the reader Mm -hmm. and can't put a value on that. Like, and you don't know, books never die. So you don't know when it's going to reach the person who needs to read it. You don't know when they're going to pick it up. You know, it could be in 10 years time that they pick it up and they go, oh, that really resonates with me. And you've impacted their life. And that's a beautiful thing that as human mm-hmm. beings, we can impact somebody else's life, not only now, but in years to come, because we've put it into a publication that's going to be out there forever. Right. Mm. Agreed. And I think it also gives, like you were saying, when, when people are going through certain, you know, things in life, whatever they may be, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like magical, like somebody will, you know, you'll be scrolling on Instagram or you'll be looking at something or someone will say, oh, you need to read this book. And it's exactly the thing that you need at that specific time. And, and then you also realize that you're like, oh, wow, I'm not by myself. I'm not the only one experiencing this or having gone through this. And it's kind of crazy to think that there's so many people on this planet And you actually see people that have such parallel stories in what you've gone through in your life. And it's, it's fascinating. And it just, even if there's one other person on the planet 
that has experienced what you have experienced, you have that connection with that person and you, you don't feel like you're alone, even though I think at the end of the day, we probably all shouldn't feel like we're alone because we know that somebody on the other planet, you know, the other side of the planet or wherever has probably experienced some kind of setback in life, some type of maybe illness or a family member or family problems or kid problems or whatever you want to call it. And that we know that we feel, you can feel very isolated and alone, Mm -hmm. but we also know that there's other people out there that probably experience that. But I think when you, when you have a book in your hand or you're reading it from your tablet and you're actually listening to someone else's words, I think that's where the resonance kicks in. Mm. And it's cool that you took that leap into wanting to do something like that, because this is not an easy thing to do. I mean, I know you because I went through your multi-author book from your publishing company. And I know that towards the end, when we were putting in our, our chapters that, you know, when you have 24 people or 25 people putting in their chapters, and then you have to be responsible for getting all those chapters to editors and looking and see what's coming back and, and reading through and making sure that the stories are quality. I mean, did you know what you were getting yourself into when you, when you decided to do that? Cause that's a huge undertaking. No, that's a great question. And that's time uh, seven. Yeah. So I, I, Yes and no. So I could see the process when I when I did the second book, contributing to the second book, I could see the process much clearer because I was paying attention. So yes, I knew, but at the same time, you don't know what you don't know until you actually do something. Mm-hmm. And I think I found out, especially with the current book here, Hurrah, is it's almost like it doesn't matter whether there's 14 or there's 24. It's like herding sheep without a sheepdog. You're running around, you know, you've got this person saying they want an extension and that person has already done theirs and then they want to change what they've done and have you already sent it to the editor or can I change this? And there's so it's, it's the pattern seems to be the same. So now that I'm on the seventh book, but the fourth multi-author book, there seems to be a pattern appearing. So I I was more prepared for it with this book than I was with the first. Mm. And with your book, I was more prepared because it was the third. But it's it's the same thing. It doesn't matter how many people are in the book. It's the same process that you go through. And it's just, I just have checklists and I have a great team. I have a great editor, a great formatter or great editing team and you know, I rely on them to do their part. And of right. course, um, I have an amazing virtual assistant who does a lot of the graphic work with me and a lot of the sharing of information for me. So yes, there's a team behind me. There's not just me doing it all. And if that was the case, because I run another business with my husband, I wouldn't be able to do that. And I don't miss a thing that the boys have at school or after school sports. So yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to go to Pilates or yoga. It would nothing else would fit if I had to do it all myself. So yeah. I do have a, the first book was a little different because 
I didn't, I hadn't built that team. I had relied on one person to help me and Mm -hmm. that was a lesson in itself because I did get stuck with doing so much and, um, you know, I was in over my head because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, it was my first book. I sort of knew what I was doing, but it was, you know, finding my way through that was probably harder than the others. So, yeah, a pattern seems to have appeared, Caroline, that I am now able to embrace waiting for those things to happen. (laughs) Well, that's that, that, yeah, that's good. And I'm sure that as it, the more that the more books that are published, I think that the pattern you'll just, I think the the pattern will be there, but it will almost be non-existent because you will have ways to manipulate and already just divert the issues before they even occur. I thought it was interesting that we didn't feel any of that. Mm. Like, it was such a seamless process. I mean, I was like, because I've never done this before, I was deathly afraid to miss that deadline. And I don't think you knew this, but I had had surgery on my hand the week before. So I was typing with almost one hand, my story, not that I waited. I, I knew what I wanted to write, but I underestimated like I guess the emotional side of it, I'm going to be typing with one hand, but that's okay. So it was interesting, but I was like, I cannot miss this deadline because Lord knows what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen if I miss it. It it was an experience that I'm grateful for all of the different things that it brought out. And I can only imagine, you know, you experiencing that same thing twice over. And then you're like, okay, now I want to take this further. And now I want, I want that same experience, but I want to be on the top end and give everybody else the view that I just had, which is commendable. Because like I said, it's a huge undertaking. It's one thing to be in charge of your own chapters and know that this is your deadline. And okay, I need to have this chapter into my publisher, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know how it works when you're just doing one book by yourself, but when you're trying to herd sheep without a sheepdog. I'm sure it's not an easy, not an easy task, but you seem to be breezing through because every single one of your books is a bestseller. So maybe can you elaborate on, is there like magic to that? Like, what do you have like a secret formula or what is the deal with your, the magic in the bestseller books? Cause that's what they all are. I want to, I want to touch on something that you talked about first. You okay. said you did underestimated the emotional part of writing for a multi-author book and this is something that I would say 85% of people underestimate. I remember Linda Emsley she's in two of my multi-author books and currently writing her solo book with me. She came into the first multi-author book to actually test me to see if I was the publisher she wanted to work with to do her solo book. When she did that chapter, she reached out to me and she said, I never expected that this would be such an emotional roller coaster. I can't imagine what my solo book's going to be like. I'm in. And I was like, that's, you know, a great message. She's leaning into this emotion. She's leaning into what's going to happen when she writes her whole book, her solo book. And then she signed up to do the same book as you, Intuitive Speaking Her Truth. And she put a message in the group chat that said, Bridget has said this is going to happen. She's not lying. <laughs> I remember You're that message. Lying. I remember that message. Yes. 
We've won about the emotions and you're all going to go through this roller coaster of emotions and ride it out, allow it to happen. It's the most cathartic experience I've ever had. I'm so grateful I've done it. I've come back for a second one and I'm writing my solo book. Then when we did um, the launch, I said to everybody that the Americans will wake up being best-selling authors because we will hit number one in Australia before you wake up. And it happened. But she said... Bridget has said this is going to happen and it's going to happen. I didn't believe her. I just want to say it's going to happen because Bridget said it's going to happen. There is kind of, to answer your question now, there is kind of a formula. Amazon has categories and subcategories and because you're in a multi-author book, it's easier to go international bestseller in a multi-author book than it is in a solo book because you have got a group of people promoting the same thing and mm. you, have, you have more of a range of topics that you can choose from, more categories you can choose from because the stories are relevant to more categories across um, okay. the plethora of categories that are available in Amazon. Right. So it's something that, that it, it's like there's a bit of science behind it. You've got to research and you've got to make sure that a famous person is not releasing a book the same day because you will not hit number one if they are releasing the book the same day. Sometimes you can't find that out. So you might happen to release a book on the same day and that's a shame. And you may not reach number one in lots of categories like we have. I think we did 17 or was it 21 categories we hit number one in. Yeah, I think it was 22 categories. One, two, two, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and seven countries, wasn't it? It's something that... You cannot specifically describe, but it's a process. And you look at the categories and you make sure what's happening in them as much as you can. And then fingers crossed and hope for the best, you sell lots of books on launch day. That's the other thing. It's a key to having a launch day and that lots of buying at the same time allows Amazon to count the numbers and they put um, the bestseller tag on once you hit a certain number in certain categories. Yeah. And then how long does that, how long does that tag stay with the book? Is it only for a certain amount of months or once it's a bestseller at that time, then it just, it holds that value forever? Yeah, so the bestseller status remains, but it doesn't sit in their bestsellers forever because other books come in and okay. um, take over and yeah. So it was really nice to see one of the girls in the book, Carly J, she had contributed to another book at the same time and she had a book, at number one, number three. So she did F Motherhood and she did Intuitive Speaking Her Truth and she did something else. The lawnmower man just arrived and he's mowing the lawn, but he texted oh. me before and it just came through. So I text him back and say, please don't. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, because will he will we be able to hear the lawn mowing in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. He'll, he will get the text message shortly and we'll stop. Okay. So um, it's something that you cannot specifically describe but that's in a nutshell that's what we do we research and we look into the categories so that's another thing I do during the process and yeah it's good yeah wow so you can be so you can look and see like other people you can see when other people are launching their book and that gives you the day no so I have to look into them so I I research people that I know the book might be in competition with like Brené Brown, Urquhart Tolley you know the the big names the people that uh, Gabrielle Bernstein the intuitive books would be up against them the other ones are are much harder because if you if you 
like Hear Her Roar, the domestic violence, domestic abuse book is you don't know who's going to be releasing. So you, you can't really research who's going to be releasing a book. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's not something you can really research. But with intuitive, it's it's a bit easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if if an author comes to you, is there any criteria that you like specifically look for when? I'm not sure I understand. Oh my God. That's my watch. <laughs> you heard that, right? Yeah. That was so weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. He didn't understand what I was asking, but I wasn't really talking to him. So I don't know who he's worried about. So when, when somebody comes to you and says, okay, I want to be part of your book. Have you ever had to turn people away? Because like, you don't, there's no sample that we, I don't remember. We didn't have to give you a sample of our writing, right? So no, but in your application, you tell me what you think you're going to tell your story about. Right. Right. I do remember that. Yes. Most people, I don't know if I did with you, but most people I actually speak to before they join the book. <clears throat> Not everyone, but most people. But I would be, I, I have declined people from the books. I don't accept everybody into the books. I think there's probably been seven in total over the four multi-author books that I've done. But I have said, unfortunately, no, your story won't fit with this title. And I would give a full refund if they handed in something that was not appropriate. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that. I was like, well, what happens if somebody writes something and then it's just not up to par with what, because there has to be some kind of, of what's the word I'm looking for standard, I guess, in your right, you know, in the way that you write so that I I disagree because everybody can write. Everybody who can talk can write. It will resonate with different people on different levels. And if we're trying to capture a larger market, like with Hear Her Raw, I have somebody in that book who, Myra, who has a brain injury. She had to learn to talk and walk again from a domestic abuse situation. So she was concerned about, when she first came to me, concerned about her writing. When she turned her piece in, it's to learn to talk and walk again her writing is incredible and you know that's the beauty of being an indie publisher is that there's not that I'm going to change your story because I'm not I might help you improve it but I'm not going to change it and there have been certain circumstances where we've gotten a piece and I've suggested to them that they work with the editor developmentally and that's a process where they go back and forth with an editor and mm-hmm. work on their piece. But it's still their words and it still sounds like them. We don't want to change a person's voice in their writing. And that's really important to me is that we don't change who the person is by mm-hmm. getting a developmental editor who rewrites the piece for them. We get somebody who develops the work with them. And that there's, it's very different process to what... The big publishing houses, the traditional publishing houses do where they have complete control to change every word that you write. And that, that to me is not okay because that's not the person's work in the end. Okay. So now that you say that, so is that, would you say that that's the biggest difference in, in you being able to publish your own things as far as like, if you published a book can you submit that for, let's say, New York Times bestseller? If yeah. you write a book yourself, 
that you that Bridget writes her autobi her biography of herself of her life, and then can you submit that for to be put on the New York Times bestseller from so, your company? So what what happens is um, you, you actually pay essentially you pay to be on those lists. So I'm a USA Today bestseller. What happened with that book is you pay a premium price. So there's a whole marketing team who pushing the book out to people to purchase it because they've got to sell, I think it's like 10,000 copies have to be sold to be looked at by USA Today. Uh, New York Times is a number and you've got to go before a panel. And it's really easy for a famous person to get there. And they want famous people on their list. They don't want an indie publisher on their list, New York Times. Our book, Younger Self Letters, made it to the New York Times bestseller and we got taken off. I saw the email that said, you made it, but we're like numbers wise, you made it, but we're not accepting you. And it was because it's an indie publisher. So, you know, it's just that they're hearsay, but you pay for it because you've got to pay a marketing team to market the book. Yeah, you pay to get on there. And, and I don't know that they want you to know that. Like, I don't know that they want, if you're not famous, you pay to get there. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it, it always, it always, I feel like it always goes back to everybody's got a story and this whole thing of, because you're famous, your story takes precedence over my story. You know, I don't know that I agree with that. And it's, and it's not because I'm not famous. It's just how you're, you're just not. So I think that you just need somebody famous to see my books that I publish and then they could become famous. The books could become famous. Do you know what I mean? Like it's because, it's oh, that- okay. I see what you're saying. So it's like, if level- you, if Brene Brown reads your book and she's like, wow, this is an amazing book. And um, it'll probably times bestseller because it will sell incredibly well because she has recommended it you know if I could if I could I I don't know how it works with Oprah if I could get it in front of Oprah you know she might make it a New York Times bestseller because she has endorsed it and I've seen that happen to authors I do follow Oprah's books and I've seen that happen to unknown authors so Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how they get in front of Oprah you know like do they is that a networking thing or is that a paid opportunity? So it's something that I think a lot of people are naive about. And I felt very naive when I found out that one of my favorite books, she paid 50,000 Australian dollars to be on the New York Times bestseller list. And I was really disappointed. I was like, oh, that's devastating. And it's like, of course, you've got to pay a whole marketing team to promote the book. And, you know, she says that that's come back to her threefold, but I would never do that. I would never put that much money on the line to artificially create mm-hmm. a, I don't, I don't know, just it, it's just something that for, for a solo book I would not do. It's just, it, it adds a level of credibility that people see in the world. And and I think that Amazon is probably better to me in my eyes because it is, you know, based on true numbers. And if we can collectively make that happen, isn't that mm-hmm. fantastic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now that you've explained the differences, I think it's unless you're famous and unless you want to buy your way in, then mm-hmm. that's the that's the most realistic, credible way to showcase your work. Yeah. And then, you know, if somebody finds it great and wonderful, but I think we need to remember the core message here is not, we're not writing this to be with our name on a billboard. We're writing right. this to share our message so that 
someone else can be uplifted. It's not about, I want to be with my name in lights. It's -hmm. always just about sharing your message and helping the next person in line or just lighting the candle and helping the next person be inspired to write their story. And I think that's, that's like the big message. And I wish that more people could be on board with that. It's not about a competition. It's not about, you know, like you said, I don't know, maybe if we really tried, anybody could be a New York times bestseller, but it's more than that because your book can be the the New York times bestseller. And it it may not be the greatest book of all time. I'm not saying our book is the greatest book of all time, but the messages behind the book are more important than yes, it's a title. And yes, we're grateful for our Amazon logo and sticker and amazing and and bestseller. But really (laughs) at the end of the day, it's the change that happens within you when you write the book that creates the ripple effect. I think what happens is that having a bestseller attached to it, it allows you to get in front of more people so that your Mm. message people so that that in itself is probably worth the investment to some people you know that that opportunity to get in front of more people is the benefit to them and and you know so that could be worth it to them but it'd be it'd be much nicer if it just happened organically that's what I thought happened before I found out and you know I felt naive so it's it's something that yeah yeah you don't like I said before you don't know what you don't know until you start doing this sort of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah but it was it was definitely becoming a USA Today bestseller was definitely uh fun and the I, I learned a lot through that process for what I want to do with my books. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was a great experience too. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So now that we have our, our bestsellers understood, what do you think, what has been your favorite part about being a publisher? It, it might surprise you. It's actually the collaboration I see come out between the women in the in the groups whether it be across the different books or in Mm -hmm. the one book Mm -hmm. um, beautiful to watch those friendships and those collaborations evolve and you know that that is that that's my favorite thing that comes out of it it's a funny way to heal sister wounds but I see that happening quite often with Mm. a lot of that's a beautiful thing that's come out of it so yeah that's one of my favorite things another thing is to to watch I always think that everybody it comes for comes into your life for a lesson and you know there's a lesson to be learned from everybody who comes into your life and I feel that with all of the authors there's a lesson that I have to learn from them mm-hmm. and there's usually, you know, when you have a group of people together, there's usually one who tries to upset or not intentionally, yeah. they upset hearts. So it could be intentionally or unintentionally. I've seen that in the books, you know, there's always the one. And it's, I've had people message me and say, can you please remove her from the chat? And I was like, well, you need to lean into this and look at what the lesson is for you to learn from that. And I love that. I love being able to put that back on them and say, why does that annoy you so much? Like, why can you can you look into why that has bothered you so much? Why do you let somebody external to you affect your mood and affect your what people are using the word vibe? I feel very old saying that word. Their energy that it, 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 they allow it to affect their energy, and it's I, I find that really interesting, and I like watching that evolve as well and um, see what they come back to me with. And sometimes I don't come back at all because they're annoyed that I don't remove them. 
it's, um, yeah, so it's good. It's, and it, it's funny because those people are often my great advertisement because they then sing my praises. You know, one of them it recommended me as a publisher to somebody else. And that was probably within days of that same person making everybody else, not everybody, but some people making right. some people feel like um, their energy was zapped because of what they asked. And I'm like, no, they're entitled to ask whatever they want. And if they've missed it, then, you know, I can tell them they've missed it. And it's, yeah, it's, I like watching that too, that human observance. It's almost like sitting in a coffee shop and imagining what people do. Mm-hmm. It's with online and in a group chat of women right. that have never been together before. And there's that one that just shows up and ah, and it sort of does upset the apple cart for some people. And I love watching that evolve. Yeah, that's interesting. But you know, there's always and it's so fascinating. It's like there's always that one person. (laughs) It's like you're on the plane. And because I come from education, and I would go to workshops, or, you know, you would have that one person on the faculty, or there's always that one person that just does whatever (laughs) it is that like, does something to the energy vibe and you're like, Oh my gosh, like, would they just stop? And the more that I've learned about energy work, it's like, they're trying to teach you something. They're bringing out something. They're bringing out a part of you because you don't notice it when it's just the regular person. That's just doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. It's that, that, that other part that comes out that you're like, you're either annoyed by it or you're like, man, she is just too much, or he is just over the top. Like what is wrong with them? And it's almost like you have to then stop and say, okay, what is it about this person that is causing me to feel this? And it could be that you're just feeling like, well, why can't I be like that? Like, why can't I speak up? Why can't I be that boisterous? Why can't I be that, you know, confident in what I'm trying to say to the masses? And it just allows you to, I guess, lean into that whole concept of before you start barking and, you know, making your judgments there, listen Mm -hmm. to what they're saying and then figure out how that, what that has to do with you. Yeah. Because that's what it always boils down to. It's something that you need to learn when the other person is bothering you or feeling like they're bothering you. They don't even realize they're bothering you, but you're just, yeah. Yeah, no. they don't even, it hasn't even crossed their mind that no. the way they approach things is going no. to upset us. And yeah. Yeah, it's, all, it's all about you because it's the way you've perceived it. And I, I love watching that evolve. And, yeah, that's one of, I, I, that's actually one of my favourite things when it happens. It's like, oh, that's so much fun. Sorry about my, oh, that's okay. my messages from my phone pop up on my computer. That's okay. I didn't that hear the lawn man start, so that's good. Your lawnmower <laughs> hasn't started over there. <laughs> That happened the other day when I was getting ready to start my podcast and I heard the the lawn going, the lawn people going in the backyard and I'm like, oh no, this is just not good timing. And then it started raining and then they stopped. Oh, How about that? So I escaped. It. Yep. I escaped the lawn. So, okay. What advice would you give to someone who either wanted to write their own book, like from start to finish solo or a multi-chapter book, what do you think, are there certain people you think that are just cut out to be multi-author and then there's people that just can do a full book by themselves? 
Do you think there's a big difference in what it takes out of the author to do that? I think different people cope with the solo book process differently. I just have no stress. I don't have a timeline for myself. I set timelines with my authors because they want to publish a book, but it's something that can be rescheduled. So there's not... With a traditional publishing house, you have a deadline. If you miss that deadline, you know, all hell breaks loose and you lose money or if if you if they were paying you money because they don't always pay money anymore. And it's something that I think is a blessing that there's indie publishers now that will help people to get their solo books published through platforms like Amazon because there are others, but through platforms like Amazon so that they can have that legacy in the world and they can allow their words to be handed down through their families and not have to have somebody else remodel how they spoke or what they wanted to share or, you know, perhaps some X-rated information be toned down. That sort of thing happens with um, traditional publishing houses, whereas with indie publishing, you get that flexibility in the solo book. So I think that anybody can write a solo book as long as they find the right publisher and they don't try and go the traditional route because if they went the traditional route, it really would not work for them. All right. So you left off with saying that really anybody... Basically, the difference is with with publishing with an indie is that your words and your message are probably not going to be filtered and it will be the authentic version of whatever it is that you were intending to write about, which is better for you. Yeah, not for you, but for the person that's reading, writing the book and wanting to get their message out. Yeah, for both. And you asked the question, is there different people who are suited to a multi-author book and solo book? The only difference is that it's whether you want to make the time to write a solo mm. because, the, you know, it does take a lot of time. You need hours. So it's right. uh, physical hours. <laughs> yeah. And and it's, yeah, do you want to spend that time? And there's a, the thing is only 2%, it used to be 1% and now it's 2% because of the current situations in the world uh, and people being at home a lot more 2% of the world's population become solo authors become really 2% wow right and I would love to see that increase because books never die you know something that you'll have forever and hand down and generations to come will be able to read your words and and hear your wisdom whatever it is that you write about whether it's a, a handbook for which mine is, how to write and publish a book or whether it's a true life events of your life like Now Get Back Up is and it's something that you, it's never going to go away and your children's Mm -hmm. children, great-great-grandchildren are going to be able to read this and know who you are or what you did in the world and I think that that's a beautiful thing and I wish more people would, you know, dive in and do it. Well, I'm diving. I don't know just how soon I'm diving, but I'm definitely, because I, again, in doing, in doing your multi-author book, I realized one, I underestimated the emotional attachment to the things that I was recalling in my life that made up that chapter. It was very emotional and it, but it also taught me so much about the character that I have built not the character as in like a Mickey Mouse character, but a character, the character and the, the resilience that I had built in all of these years of all of those things happening in my life. And 
when people, I think, ask, you know, when you went through this or when you went through this, like, do you wish you could have changed that? And my answer would be no, because that put me into the place that I'm at today. That, that piece molded me to be and to get through to the next stage of my life. So if I hadn't have gone through that, then I wouldn't be this in this part today. And I wouldn't have that. It's not necessarily a story. I don't think that you always tie yourself to, but I think it's a story that you learn from. It allows us to realize and to understand how powerful we are and how Mm. much our story can help other people move through their life. And if it helps one person, if it helps five people, if it helps 10 people, we never know the ripple effect that it's going to, to create in helping people from their families or that person or what that person does. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's not, Oh, woe is me. Let me tell you all about all the awful things that I went through in my life. It's look at the things that I went through, but look at what I learned and look at what a powerful story this is for me to be able to share that I've lived through and for you to learn from maybe don't make the the same mistakes that I made. Yeah. You know, and if that, if we can give that to more women or men or whomever it is, that's reading the book, I think that's the point, you know, it's the message that we get across. Every book just has its own magic to it. And collection of people that gather to, to be in that place at that time, you finding those people, those people willing to submit those people willing to be a part of that, to create that collection of stories in one space. So it it is, it is really kind of magical. And it's, it's just universal, I don't know, divine timing, but, but you definitely have a, a niche for your thing, because you you're just like, you're, you're rocking it over there. And, uh, and I'm really grateful that I, you know, that I found you and it was just kind of like a fluke thing. And I did have on my, my little vision board thing that I made myself. I think I showed you that it said I needed to write my book and I know it wasn't a book, whole book, but it was a chapter of a book. So that kind of counts a little bit. Yeah, it does. Um, You became a published author. Right. Right. And I, and I'm glad that I, that I did that. Where do you see your publishing company going in the next couple of years? Like, are you going to keep, are you, do you want to build collections of, of topics like here where, you know, you're doing the, the intuitive speaking her, her truth and then intuitive. What was the first one? Knowing her truth, Knowing her and- truth speaking her mm-hmm. truth. Okay. So are you going to keep that series going or are you going to branch yeah. off and do something else? No, no. Intuitive is five books. I, I, I don't, I, I don't make the names up. They're, they're given to me, and I divinely given to me. And uh, the next one is Intuitive, seeing her truth. I don't know what the one after that will be, but I do know that there's five books in the series. And yeah, and I don't know what I'll do after that in series wise. But I'm sure there'll be another series that comes out. The other books have been controversial books. So I think that's a bit of a thing that's going to be for me is that I will speak about topics that aren't spoken about enough. You know, like I put out a book called F Motherhood. Now, a lot of people see shame around that. And I'm sure that every mother has got to a point 
in their mothering where they have thought that and a lot of women have shame around that and there's shame attached to finding yourself in a domestic abuse situation too and that's you know it seems to be a theme that I have created unknowingly unconsciously and it's I guess I will continue that too to write books that because I know I'm going to do a book on bullying as well and have it for people who were bullied as a child or as an adult. And I want it to be written in a way that it will benefit teenagers to read so that they can see the effects of what bullying can do to other people. So perhaps they will, you know, speak up when there is bullying around or they will stop doing it if they are, in fact, doing it themselves. Because often they're doing it because of what's happening at home. And, you know, maybe if they can see how it affects another person through a book that they can learn that message yeah so I see next year I want to do 15 books is my goal so yeah it's going to be a big year because I was busy doing seven I might need to get a few more people on board on the team it's so inspiring though like it it really it really is an inspiring process and it's so true that when you align yourself with people that have these grand visions of of just things that maybe it's going to sound so cliche, but like only dreams are made of these things. Mm. You really begin to live those pieces of your life. And, and for those people that feel like it's, it's not possible to author a book or to be a publisher or to, you know, write a script or whatever it is that they have like this burning desire to do. Mm. I think it's hogwash. Don't, there's no limits to what you have the capability of doing. If you set your mind to do it, you will figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's, that's the message that, you know, we need to keep putting out there because I think that there's a lot of fear around going after those big goals and dreams because they're scary to people and they find, they just think that there's, well, there's just no way, like that's too overwhelming. And you're just continuing to prove that that theory is nonsense because mm-hmm. you keep doing the thing that everybody wants to do and you keep repeating the <laughs> recipe and it keeps coming out amazing. Yeah. I think um, on that, it's, it's that never stop trying and t- to find what that thing is for you until you do find it. Cause I didn't find it until I was 47 and you know, it's, it's, it's exhilarating and you know I've had failed businesses and I've stopped started businesses and tried uh, multi-level marketing and not saying that's a bad thing because it is fantastic for those who do it well and it's to find your thing which publishing is my thing and writing which I never would have said I was a writer it's you can't put a value on that it's like I get out of bed I don't care if I've had five hours sleep or 10. It's like, yes, I'm a publisher. (laughs) I get to do this stuff, you know, and earn money from it. And it's, it's a great feeling, a great feeling. Mm. That's awesome. All right. So two questions Two my, my final questions here. Do you have a ritual that you do every day that you have to do it? No, you have no ritual. I tried. I tried to have a ritual because everybody tells me I've got to have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to meditate. I love to walk. If I don't walk in the morning, I'll walk in the evening. It doesn't matter when I walk. I do walk every day. 
I did try and have a morning ritual and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. So my honest answer is no. For a period of time, I will do it every day if I've got nothing else on. But I, you know, I often have appointments from 6.30 a.m. through till, you know, 10 o'clock and then I've got to do my day job and I've got publishing stuff to attend to and it's just Yesterday was back-to-back appointments. I didn't have a minute to scratch myself. So it's, I I don't, I I definitely love to meditate and I definitely check in with what I call my spirit team, but it's not something that I have to do every single day. And lots of people will tell you that you need to have it. I disagree. If it doesn't work for you, you don't need to have it. You do what suits you. And that's what I always say, you know, it's great to have a process to go through but if that process is something that somebody else has told you you have to do then maybe that's not the right process for you so my answer is no I don't that I have to do every day I guess um having a cup of tea in the morning I have to do that every day that's maybe my ritual okay okay so that could count as your ritual but I I totally agree with there's some things that that people will tell us that we have to do every day and then if it doesn't work for you it doesn't work for you but it's finding that Whatever makes you the most productive in your days, that's what you do. And if it's not every day that you're doing it, then that's what your body needs. It's it's when you're trying to force that, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. every single day for some people is not feasible. But they'll say, you know, they'll say in a book, oh, well, you have to get up, you know, all the multi-gazillionaires get up at 5 a.m. every day. So if you want to be in the 5 a.m. gazillionaire club, you need to get up at five o'clock. But for some people that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just finding your own little flow that where you're most productive and clearly you are productive. So maybe you've like completely thrown the ritual concept off the bus. So, all right. And I I have in the past said that I have a ritual and I was doing it five days out of 10, but it felt very forced some of those days and sorry, five days out of seven. Um, but it felt very forced. What I do have instead, though, Caroline, is standards for myself. And my standards for myself are that I, I will be the best publisher that I can be for every single individual who works with me and give them the best of myself. And that means that you don't have to pay the VIP price to message Bridget. You know, like it's like I'm not untouchable is one of the biggest standards that I have and that's probably why I have appointments from 6 30 a.m but it's that's part of who I am I'm a very big giver and I don't want to see people not utilize these books and have their benefit come out of it off the back of the book and that's something that I'm really passionate about so that's probably more of a ritual to me than anything else but you know I'll sing the praises of insight timer till the cows come home because it really saved me when I had a a breakdown being able to listen to meditations guided meditations because I could not stop thinking and it's yeah meditation saved me and I will meditate whenever I want to need to feel like it have 20 minutes spare like I will meditate instead of or I will sit in silence and touch in with my spirit team. And, you know, people still tell me that I need to do this or need to do that. And I just take everything on board, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to implement everything they do. I might try it, but I might not implement it. Mm. So even if you kept your ritual in being an awesome human is, is worth being that ritual. If that's going to be your ritual, 
to be to be able to be the best publisher and accessible and helping people get through that whole process, then that to me is a ritual. Mm. So I think you're, I think, I think that's a, that's a good one. It's not a, it's not a, it is a thing to do, but I think it's more of a ritual of the heart Yeah. in your message and what your, the whole concept of your process. And I think mm. that's what makes it so rich. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 I, I think now that I, you know, before I was, cause I think I do things that, that are every day and I feel like I'm very ritual with them, but I never looked at it the way that you were just explaining it. And then it made me think we can do things ritually from the heart that are just as significant, if not more than something that we do physically intangible in the, in reality and people still feel it. Mm. Yeah, it's still going to make. Say for me, um, having a cup of tea is actually a real ritual because I, I allow it the time to brew. It's always tea leaves. I'm beside myself when I run out. I ran out the other day for two days, and it was like I've got to buy more tea. And I bought this thirty dollar Australian thirty dollar tin of tea, and it's the most expensive three sips of tea I've ever had. Ten dollars. <laughs> it was hideous (laughs) because I couldn't get the tea that I loved I have two teas that I absolutely love and I had run out of both of them like we're stupid because I just didn't order them because I was like I'll get to the shop I'll get the shop the shop is uh an hour and 15 minutes away I didn't get to the shop so I had to order it online and then I ran out and but tea drinking and making the tea is a real ritual to me and I learned that that you could actually make ritual out of anything so Mm -hmm. I used to washing up so there's only pots and pans that we have to wash in our house everything else goes in the dishwasher and it's that can be a ritual in itself and I learned that from a woman called Mitlay Saudi who does women's circles she has circle school and it's a, a beautiful thing that I've learned from her and I've carried through ever since she said anything can be a ritual it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that whole morning routine ritual that a lot of people talk about yeah and for me, that walking is mm-hmm. a ritual. I don't tend to use my phone other than for photos and it's probably the only time I don't use my phone in the day and it's, yeah, it's a beautiful time that I have to myself and hearing things and mm-hmm. the sun eyes. And so it's a ritual in that sense. So I guess I do have rituals but it's not in the traditional sense of how most people have them. Mm. Okay. What are you most excited for the new year? For 2022. Yeah, I, it's, I turn 50 next year. Oh, oh that's right. <gasps> that's right. And our birthdays are a day apart. Okay. Uh, I love I love my birthday. I don't care how old I am. I love my, <laughs> on my birthday, I feel like I'm invincible. Go figure. I do not know where that comes from, but I feel like I'm invincible. I love people wishing me happy birthday. I don't care if I know them or don't know them. It just, it lights me up. I love that whole celebration of me feeling. It's, yeah, I love it. I love my birthday and nobody can rain on my parade on my birthday. I used to have bad birthdays and I think the last bad birthday I had was when I turned 30 and I decided from that point on that my birthday would be awesome and it has been so for 20 years I have had the most awesome day on my birthday but this year is going to be a whole celebration a month of Bridget (laughs) (laughs) 
And I've already booked things that I'm going to do and, you know, things that I always want to do but I don't get the time to. So that's I'm looking most forward to that. And the other thing is business-wise, I love launches. I love book launches. They, they're an incredible day. And to have 15 of those next year will be incredible. So I'm looking forward to that happening as well, yeah. And wow. I've got one on the 4th of December, which is exciting. Wow. So yeah. you want to do 15 books next year. That's almost yeah. like that's, that's more than one book a month. in a month, like a month. Well, yeah. not every month because that would be 24, but yeah. Yeah. I have got a number of solo authors that will definitely launch their books next year. There's definitely Me. three. Yes. There's definitely three who are already in Launch Your Legacy and writing their books. And so, and I've got Intuitive, Seeing Her Truth and The Bullying Book, which I don't know the name of yet. And yeah, so I've just got to figure out what the rest are and allow that to happen. Yeah. That's so exciting. And the fact that you're just like, you know, you're, you're like doubling. Like if, <laughs> if this wasn't enough, like this year, you're like, oh yeah, no, yep, we're going to double it. And then some, and then we're going to, I'm going to double, but then I'm going to have more people doing other books by themselves. So yeah, that's, <laughs> and you're going to be 50. So this is awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to see the whole party unfold like all year. I'm like, wait, I'm ready, ready for January, ready for Bridget's party all year. Cause at some point so it has to start, it has to start mid February and go to mid March. Cause my husband's birthday is at the end of the month and you know, it's all got to be about him. <laughs> doesn't matter how old he is. It's all got to be about him. So I thought that'll work for me. I can do middle of February through to the middle of March for the celebration of Bridget. Okay. <laughs> I think we should get a billboard. I'm going to look into see how much a billboard would cost over there because I'm going to write on it the celebration of Bridget. You think I'm kidding, but you're going to drive down the road over there when somewhere I'm going to find somebody that's going to help me do this over there. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but I'm going to figure it out. And you're going to be like, oh, she did it. I'm going to do it. Now, now I have an idea. What did, what did you call it? The celebration of Bridget? Celebration of Bridget. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a book. It sounds like a movie. Maybe we should go into like screenwriting and do like an indie movie of yeah. the celebration. Well, my, of my cousin is a director and producer in Hollywood. He can actually do that for us. I think you need to get I don't know if he wants to do a movie about Bridget though. But think about that, you know, you really, that this could be, you could be onto something like we could do like a short, like a movie, a short, you know, like the ones they put on before the, the Disney movies, the Disney shorts. Yeah. You know, we'll pay actors to do that for us because I ain't doing it. We were in one of movies. my eldest son thought he wanted to be an actor. And my cousin said, well, I'm going to do a movie, a short film in Gundagai, which is where I grew up. It's only 45 minutes from here. And he said, do you want me to have him in that as an extra? And I said, that would be great because it will show him. And he said, well, you've got to come because he's a minor. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, why did I say yes to this? So half of me, half of my body is in, and the back of me is in the movie. And it was the lots of sitting around and waiting and take, 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 and on the bus, off the bus. And it was like, he goes, I don't want to be an actor. I'm done. <laughs> So we cured him of that. Yeah, I think he thought that it was going to be easy and that he would get paid lots of money and that didn't happen. He was Extras uh, get like, what, a cup of coffee and a cookie and five bucks or something? I mean, they make nothing. We got lunch that was made by my mom or my auntie. <laughs> so he rang, he rang in as many favours as he could to make the movie. So, yeah, my son was cured of that. So I don't think that... I'm up for being involved other than maybe helping with the script. <laughs> All right. 
Oh, dear Caroline, well, you're a fascinating woman. The ideas you come up with are great. I love mm-hmm, it. Thank you. So mm-hmm. much. And is there anything else that we did not that you want that you want the listeners to know about either your publishing company or yourself or a project that you want to do that we did not cover? No, I, I would really like people to support Hear Her Raw, which is the successful women who have experienced domestic abuse book coming out on the 14th of December. We want to get that book into facilities that help women leave those type of situations and we want to get it mm. into libraries so that women who can't take a book home can leave it at the library and, you know, perhaps it'll be the catalyst for her leaving one time earlier because the statistics in America are one they leave uh, the sev- up to seven times it takes them to leave. And in Australia, it's up to nine times to leave. And that's, you know, something that I would love to see brought down. Yeah, just that. Don't stop trying to find what you want. If you're looking for a publisher, though, I might not be the right one. But if you are looking for a publisher, you can always reach out to me because I have, I know lots of publishers and um, I know what they specialize in and I can refer mm-hmm. you. Now, okay, and really quickly, and then and then we'll. I know you're you're short on time, but what type of what type of publishing do you do? Like, what are there specific stories that you look for for your publishing? No, for I, your company? I, I I want to focus on uh, my main focus with solo books is uh, I will do a multitude of multi author books, but with solo books, I only want to focus on women who want to share their story and then give their lesson so that people can actually learn from others what they've experienced. And that resonation that you we were talking about earlier is, you know, key to that happening. And that's what I love doing is working with women to develop those books. Mm. Okay. Well, I I thank you for your time today. And I think I've learned a lot. And I hope our listeners have a little bit of a better glimpse of what the, the publishing world looks like. And, and all of your information will be on the um, podcast page of where they can reach you, all of your author publishing information, all the books that are available under your publishing house, and they can take a look and go from there. And if they want to potentially be part of your, you know, legacy collection and new books coming out, all the information is there for them. But I highly recommend anybody listening to this that wants to be part of a, of a, a multi-author book. It is so worth it. Don't even think twice about it. And you will learn a lot about yourself that you didn't think that you, you'll learn more about you than you thought you knew about yourself. And And Bridget just makes it an amazing experience. And she's wonderful. I cannot say enough about her. I could probably go on, which I'll write that on the billboard for you. I'm going to find a way to make that happen. You just watch. You're going to be shocked, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find somebody. I am going to find somebody in Australia. Yes. (laughs) Going to be a kangaroo and a koala bear. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Lordy. Okay. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's been a pleasure talking to you. No problem. And uh, we will continue our saga on another podcast. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you would like more information on Bridget, please go to my website at www.triedandtruewithcaroline.com and all of her information will be there. And I really encourage you, if you are looking to write and be part of a multi-author book process, she's just released the new title for her new book and it's called Seeing Her Truth. She will have all the information on her website, which is bridgetholder.com and that is for the Art of Grace Publishing House. If you are interested in participating in this new book that she's got coming out. So I hope you enjoyed 
the episode, go ahead and leave a comment if you would like. If you don't want to miss any more episodes of Tried and True, go ahead and subscribe. I appreciate your feedback and the time you took to listen today. One thing I want to leave you with, and that is, it's not about summiting the mountain. It's about who you become to get to the top. So I hope you have a great day and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening.